Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. And I want to talk with you uh, about the church, the family of God Christ gathered when he came to earth. And I want to talk about our church, Cornerstone Fellowship. Today we'll be asking ourselves if we are still living out everything Christ intended when he launched his church. A year ago, the pandemic closed our buildings. At first, this felt like such a tremendous liability for any meaningful ministry to happen. But then we pivoted. We learned how to be an online church, and thank God for that. Had it not been for online church, we would have never met some of you. Cornerstone now has members uh, from all over the country and in different continents. So we're so glad that you are now a part of our fellowship. As we adjusted to this new normal this past year, we realized that we had been given a great opportunity with this long time out to examine this 28-year-old Bible study of ours. What began as impatiently biding our time until we could reopen our buildings turned into a Holy Spirit-led evaluation of our, our methods, our mission, and our message. And I have to tell you, I'm excited about the future. This long process has, has got us dreaming again, imagining a better version of ourselves. We're calling it Cornerstone Fellowship 2.0. So today I want you to dream a little bit with me. Will you do that? You might want to grab a pen and some paper or open your, your notes app to jot down your thoughts as I speak. Let's start the conversation with the word church. A word that was not a religious word until Jesus used it, telling his disciples that he was building his church. The Greek word is ekklesia. And before Jesus appropriated it, it simply meant an assembly, a gathering of like-minded people, a group with a strong common interest that bound them together, like uh, a carpenter's guild or, or a trade union. But Jesus took this word and used it to define us, where our love for Jesus binds us together. We meet because we've learned that there is something special that happens when we are together that doesn't happen when we're apart. When we gather, Christ is present among us, like he promised to be. When we gather, individuals who love Jesus join as one temple for the Holy Spirit to inhabit. We were designed together to be a part of this group called the church, with each of us relying on the other. We meet online and in person to worship, to pray, to study our Bibles, and to enjoy fellowship that refreshes us and equips us. Then we scatter to every neighborhood where we pull heaven down to earth. We gather to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we scatter in order to make that happen. This rhythm of gathering as God's family and then scattering on mission is what defines us. Now, fortunately for us, we have the New Testament church as our example the first Christians who gathered in Jerusalem after Pentecost left us a great model to imitate. 
This past year, Cornerstone Fellowship's leadership team immersed ourselves in this New Testament template called church. Let's go there together to the description of the first church found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where this large group of Christ followers lived out God's will for them. Open your Bibles with me and let's read. Have you got it? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right, now uh, flip over to Acts chapter 4, verse 32, because uh, Luke goes on to kind of make sure we understand. Acts 4, 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put, the, the, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, these familiar verses are the best template for a local church, no matter what century you live in. I've come to believe that our gatherings and our mission should be measured using the first church as our example, where when the first Christians gathered, they didn't go to church. They were church. Their church wasn't a building. Their church was people. This year, because we couldn't meet in our buildings, we were reminded that the church Christ builds is not a building at all. I believe this first group of Christians would be somewhat confused when we call our buildings churches. They didn't own any buildings. Even if they did, they wouldn't have called these buildings churches. Their church was a family. And a family member doesn't arrive at their home and say, this building here is my family. The house is not the family any more than a building is a church. So I've thought about this a lot this year when the only way we could safely gather was to gather online. Yet still, online, we were very much a church. Cornerstone Fellowship Online has been our lifeline and our reminder that a church can gather without real estate. The early church didn't need to own auditoriums or offices or meeting spaces. Now, a person today might say, well, the early church didn't need those things because that group was much smaller than we are. Not true. For example, how many Christians uh, gathered in the first church in Jerusalem? Well, it says it right there in Acts 2, 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. But then by Acts 4.4, 4, here's what it says. 
But many who heard the message believed, so that the number of men, men who believed grew to about 5,000. Uh, so this was in the Jewish way of where they would just number the men, but it's, that's, that's how many families were in the Jerusalem church by Acts chapter 4. By today's standards, the Jerusalem church would be considered a megachurch. Yet they didn't own any expensive real estate. They met in groups large and small all over the city, mainly in homes. Then every afternoon they gathered in public on the Jewish temple grounds. These public outdoor gatherings at the center of the city were a big reason the church grew so rapidly. Their large open-air meetings gave the citizens of Jerusalem a front-row seat to what the Christians were up to. Acts chapter 3 tells us what happened at one of those temple meetings. You're going to want to read that sometime today. It's amazing. So let's, let's dream a little bit here. Before the pandemic, we met on five East Bay campuses and one online. It was great. Six campuses. But what would Cornerstone look like in the future if there were not just six campuses? What if we split up into dozens and then hundreds of groups meeting all over the Bay Area, all over the country, all over the world? What if Cornerstone Fellowship gathered in living rooms, parks, gyms, restaurants, breweries, vineyards, the community room at your apartment building, any available space, as well as meeting on our campuses and online? What if we held open air public services downtown where anyone could hear us and see us? What if we got to the point where most of our church family didn't drive to a campus on Sunday, but just walked down the street to the Cornerstone Fellowship gathering near their home? What if you hosted a church gathering in your home? What if you hosted an online church gathering on Twitch or Discord or Marco Polo or Facebook or Clubhouse or any other online technology? We've got to start thinking this way. In Cornerstone Fellowship 2.0, let's imagine many different venues for our church gatherings. We can still host services on all of our campuses, of course, but let's also launch smaller neighborhood churches in inexpensive locations everywhere where Cornerstone Fellowship can spring up and thrive. All right. Now, we've talked about where we meet. Let's talk about what happens when we meet. Let's dream about the fellowship that could happen at these meetups, both, both large and small. The key word is fellowship. We named our church Cornerstone Fellowship because that first group of us craved something deeper than we had ever experienced at church. Fellowship is that Greek word koinonia. Can you say that? Koinonia. A deep, satisfying connection between people. Close, trustworthy relationships found in a true church where people do more than show up a couple of times a month to, to a building where they don't know each other. As you know, I grew up in church. I heard the word fellowship frequently. We even had a fellowship hall. My impression of the word fellowship, based on what I experienced, was that it meant hanging around after a church service, engaging in casual chit-chat with church friends while drinking coffee or punch and munching on some cookies. Later, later, I discovered that New Testament fellowship goes much deeper. 
like what we just read about in Acts chapter 2, a New Testament church fellowship was a group of Christ followers devoted to one another, sharing all that they had, gathering way more regularly than we do, and living like a large extended family where everyone is seen and everyone is known. Now, in our 2019 model, a person could remain anonymous for a long time, slipping in and out, logging on and tuning out without engaging. But 2020 exposed that practice to be unhealthy because those who had been slipping in and out anonymously in 2019 just drifted away when we sheltered in place. They weren't connected to us. We hardly knew them. This year, the isolation that settled over us pointed out our deep need for fellowship. Those who already had a tight circle of family and friends uh, just identified each other as their social bubble, and they did pretty well. Those folks who already had fellowship leaned into it. People who were already connected just stayed connected. But there were plenty of unconnected folks among us when the pandemic confined us that didn't have a group of family or friends locally to become their social bubble. A good portion of our church family weathered the, star the storm alone last year. And a large number of you are in that group, the group that joins us online each week. The best we could do last year was offer you services for you to watch alone. But now that it's getting safer together, let's not continue watching alone. Let's push back on any attempts to remain anonymous. For online, online church, that means joining a group, engaging in the chat, connecting with our team during the week, and watching the service with friends now. Perhaps you need my encouragement to get the vaccine as soon as possible and then get some in-person fellowship going. Even two or three of us gathering for a watch party is better than us sitting alone. And for all of us, let's make sure everyone who shows up at any of our gatherings, large or small, is known and appreciated. We need to get to know each other. And our church online platform and other gatherings can facilitate that. But we each will have to be intentional. We want to be a true church. And a true church is a family where everyone is seen and known. Where everyone contributes. Everyone participates. There are no spectators. Everyone is a player. Dream with me about what Cornerstone Fellowship 2.0 could become a radical, loving, sacrificial, inclusive group that prays, thy kingdom come, and then actively participates in the process of bringing that kingdom to each other. Let's dream about something else. Because in the New Testament church, no one wanted for anything. In a true church, everyone shares, contributing resources and, and money, the wealthier members do more, but everyone does something. I look forward to the day when every regular Cornerstone attender embraces this responsibility, that everyone sees the value of contributing and the responsibility, so that, like the New Testament church, there are no needy among us. In Cornerstone Fellowship 2.0, we will be challenging everyone to share, everyone to contribute something. Now, as I share all these things, I have to say that I want to be part of a church family like this. Don't you? 
I want us to become a 21st century version of that first century group. As it become evident that soon it will be safe to gather indoors and outdoors in large and small groups, I've been asking God for the imagination and the energy to lead you in this direction. Away from anonymous, consumeristic, spectatorism, and into satisfying worship, prayer, Bible study, and fellowship, where everyone is known and valued and Christ is glorified. I want to be part of a group of Christ followers where kingdom mission cuts deep into our way of living. And I don't want to be a church where the paid professionals have all the fun while everyone else watches. The first Christians would simply not have settled for gatherings where Christians who hardly know each other meet for an hour once a week in large rooms, sitting in, in rows, facing forward, and listening to a mini-concert and a sermon. Or a gathering where people faithfully log on to attend the service online each week, but then leave it at that. The first church was more. To them, church meant family. A family gathered around Jesus, worshiping Jesus, learning more about Jesus, and being trained to represent him. All right, let's talk about the mysterious thing that happens when we gather. Because when we meet, when, when we become a dwelling place for God, think about that. That's what happens. Jesus promised that whenever even two or three of us gathered, he would join us. Each local church gathering, large or small, becomes a temple fit for the presence of God, experiencing the power of God. And then when we scatter, we bring the presence of God to our neighborhood, which is something different than any other group on earth can or will do. I mean, that's the sheer beauty of a local church getting this right, because no other local organization does what we do. The church is unique by its very nature. Had there been anything remotely like it before Christ came, he wouldn't have had to build it from the ground up. So, as we start gathering again, I'm inviting you to dream with me and help us refine our methods, our message, and our mission. If we can do this, the possibilities are endless. But if we fail, I believe we will become obsolete. Our very survival depends upon a fresh, more robust vision. Let's envision a large but tight-knit group equipped to lead, equipped to serve. A church family where everyone is discipling someone and everyone is serving someone. Our assumption will be that if a new person uh, went to the trouble to join us, they're looking for something special that they don't want to watch us do church. They want to enter in and be the church. During our time out last year, we started talking about our weekend church services, and we came to the conclusion that coming together in a dark room and sitting in rows facing forward doesn't really promote us getting to know anyone else. So from now on, let's join together and let's all intentionally interact more with each other to share prayer needs, even to discuss the sermon we've just heard. Some weekends, let's all stick around for a Zoom meeting after the online service. Our team is working on other ways for you to see others and be seen by others. Let's have shorter lectures and longer discussions, longer prayer times together. 
And speaking of our sermons, let me share with you the reason behind why we have kind of changed our preaching style. You may have noticed a change in our preaching strategy the last year. Our teaching team is being much more intentional to model our preaching on how the New Testament authors preached their sermons, adapting them and their letters for each audience in each city. In every case in the New Testament, we see Paul, Peter, John, James, even Jesus, adapting their preaching to local issues. Like when Paul speaks to the Corinthians, uh, he does so in a Corinthian context, addressing things going on in their church and in their culture at large. But in Athens, he talks about other things. We Cornerstone Fellowship preachers are trying to get better at doing the same thing, opening our Bibles and letting God's work speak to what's going on here and now. I mean, it's interesting to know how the New Testament authors addressed the challenges in Jewish and Greek and Roman society, but it would be much more helpful to us if we were addressing American challenges, Bay Area challenges. But this is a difficult transition for some of our people. Some of us are much more comfortable with sermons heavy with biblical history and content, offering a line-by-line -line study of a New Testament letter written to a specific church in a specific time. In the past, we rarely brought up what was happening in our communities or in our country. Some church people are way more comfortable with this style of preaching because it gives them something to think about without avoiding any current controversy. But I've come to the conclusion that this method makes us increasingly irrelevant to our neighbors. Preaching that never brings up things that everyone else is talking about makes us appear to not have anything to say about these things. It keeps the church from speaking prophetically to our world like Elijah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, John the Baptist, and Jesus spoke to their worlds. It forces our neighbors to assume that they know what we believe based on the nutty Christians out there who are sharing their opinions. But friends, we who know Jesus well, we who have studied the Bible for years, are the best people to share what we believe God's purposes are for our own communities. However, as we apply the wholeness of the gospel to current events, some church people can be uncomfortable with the pastor talking about these things. They may tell us to just get back to teaching the Bible. Well, I assure you, we're going to be teaching the Bible. Our intention going forward is to continue to teach the Bible, but to give ourselves permission to address issues that are on everyone's mind from a biblical perspective. We feel we must do this because uh, the church has become the only voice out there saying what we are saying about important ethical and moral issues. We love our neighbors too much not to tell them what God thinks about these things. So as we preach, at times we're going to address important current issues through the lens of Scripture. We're going to encourage you not to believe everything forwarded to you on social media, even by Christians. We're going to constantly take you to your Bible to find your answers and to form your opinions. Let's study Jesus so that we can imitate Jesus. Let's get to know the heroes of, heroes of Scripture and learn from them as well. Now, while I'm on this topic of preaching, you may have noticed that we have added something new that we will do, be doing sometimes, a more conversational sermon where two or, or more of us will, will, will study a topic together and then talk about it online and in person. And sometimes, right after the sermon, before you leave, 
we will invite you to stay for a few more minutes to talk with those sitting near you about what was just preached and to pray with each other. We're gonna do some experimenting here, both in person and online, but our goal is to draw people in to be seen and heard. In the past year, I've been asking God for the imagination, the energy, and the faith needed to lead you well. Our Cornerstone Fellowship leaders have spent this past year discussing these things and imagining the endless possibilities. Today, we invite everyone to join the discussion, to challenge each other to fully engage with our church family, to dream with us as we seek to live out this good news. We have a long way to go for, us to, for this to become a reality, but I believe God is leading us. I hope that you will join the conversation. Christian and Mariana will get the conversation started, and then the worship team is going to lead us in a song, and then we're going to leave the chat open for a while for you to share your thoughts about Cornerstone Fellowship 2.0. You also should share your prayer needs with each other. If you need to go, that's fine too. But as I say goodbye for you for now, let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for everyone who's joined us, those near and far. As we have come together, we have felt your presence. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for calling us to be more than we've ever been. Thank you for using the unfortunate circumstances of our pandemic to give us time to think to dream, to re-envision what could be. Help us, Lord, to follow your Holy Spirit into this year and the years to come. Help us, Lord, to reach people, to value them, and to communicate your love for them. In Christ's name, amen.